believe she's getting better. And I believe the Lord's going to continue touching her. And again, we uh, just grow into love, brother and sister Carriker and their family. And uh, I give honor to all of you saints and uh, any of the visitors that are here. See a young lady visiting and have a heart for young people. And um, But tonight I'm going to give you what's on my heart. I hope that it uh, challenges the youths. So we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 17. And let's see here. Genesis, Exodus Leviticus Numbers. So it's the third book of the Bible, chapter 17, verse number 11. Now, this is a powerful subject, a spiritual subject, and um, you're just going to have to, you know, if you come hungry tonight, I believe God's going to meet your need, and so uh, you'll have to really just kind of tune in and try to get what the Holy Ghost would like to speak to us here tonight. Ultimately, I want to talk about how the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost uh, washes us and gives us life. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I'd given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. An atonement means making peace, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. Now notice what he said. Let's say it together, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And that makes the the what Jesus did on the cross make more sense. That he had to shed his life. He gave his life. He created a surplus righteousness. Amen. He created a surplus life, eternal life. Amen. Because Jesus was the only perfect man. And being the only perfect man, he could have lived forever just like Adam could have. But Jesus had more powerful blood because he actually overcame sin in the flesh. And he became the victor. And uh, so his blood created blood that, well, we'll talk about the, we're going to preach about this here a little bit. So the first Peter chapter number one, some of you know this one by heart. Verse number 18, for as much as you know that we were not redeemed or paid for with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, everyone say precious blood, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And we could continue reading. I feel like mentioning that, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by whom do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your hope and your faith might be in God. But this was a preordained thing. I want to preach tonight about this subject, the power of the blood. The power of the blood. I know this is a youth service, and I had some things on my mind uh, that maybe, you know, but this is just what I feel in the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and I believe that God will, uh, God will make it beneficial to everyone that is here today. Let's pray. The Lord, uh, the Lord has this way. Lord Jesus, we ask you, God, to have your way tonight. We ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. God, I need your help. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, I pray that you would help us and anoint us. Open our hearts to hear what the Spirit would speak to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, help us to see, Lord, the power of your blood. God, anoint this message. The Bible said the words that you spoke, that the words are spirit and they are life. And let your words enter into our hearts. Strengthen our faith. And God, let the blood do its work in our life. God, to heal us, to give us peace, to save us. Give us eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. You can be seated. To the modern person, the blood of Jesus is, uh, it, it, it almost, well, let me get my stopwatch here. Gone right. I don't know what's going on here. 
Okay. Reset. There we go. Okay. It says I already preached 33 minutes. That's not true. But uh, anyway, so to the modern person, the blood, when we think about blood, there's an alarm. There's a feeling of, of uh, hey, we don't want to talk about blood. Uh, it's told me that many of the modern denominations don't mention blood. They don't sing songs about the blood of Jesus. But nevertheless, the blood of Jesus and blood being used to redeem is an integral part of the Bible. Now, let me say that when we talk about the blood, the Bible has always been against drinking blood and eating blood. The Bible is not gross as we uh, would term it uh, uh, in, in some ways. But again, the Bible is very direct. And so the story starts in the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve had sinned. And the scripture says they tried to cover themselves. They felt guilt. They felt that they had done something wrong. And they tried to cover themselves. They knew that they were naked. And so uh, and they tried to cover themselves, the Bible said, with fig leaves. But the Lord, when he came and began to speak with them, and ultimately give them a plan, a promise of future redemption. He covered them with animal skins. And so we know that it is implied that because he covered them with animal skins, that there was blood that was shed. There was a life that had to be given in order to take away their sins. The whole idea of sacrifice in the Bible has to do with substitution. And that is that an innocent animal had to die in the place of men in order for men to be imputed with innocence. And I hope you understand that. But So it was not that God took pleasure necessarily in innocent animals dying. But when God looked upon that, it was a type. It was a shadow. And the Bible talks about this in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10. In fact, why don't we turn there? If we were to do a, a lengthy series of studies, many of you that have gone through Search for Truth or Exploring God's Word or just heard preaching, you know that the Old Testament was full of the principles of sacrifice. There were various sacrifices that were given in the Old Testament, but the scripture says that none of those sacrifices could make a man perfect. And so in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10, it says it is not possible, and I'm trying to get there myself, it said it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number, uh, let's see here, uh, verse number 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And we're not going into too much depth here, but that is a reference to Psalms chapter 40. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is that even in the Old Testament, a thousand years before Christ, the Lord proclaimed that sacrifice and offerings would not be sufficient. And so the Lord prepared a body. In fact, the word said, a body hast thou prepared me. That was speaking prophetically of the words of Jesus Christ. So one of the missions of Jesus Christ, besides of his teaching, besides his uh, resurrection from the dead, one of his missions was to be the ultimate sacrifice. 
And so when John the Baptist saw Jesus, how did he describe him? What did he say about Jesus? We talked about the Holy Ghost last night, how John made the proclamation, he that he that it is that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. But when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God. And so let's talk about the sacrificial lamb for a little bit. In the Old Testament, Adam and Eve, after they were covered uh, with, uh, with animal skins, they were allowed to have limited communion with God. Adam and Eve, because of their sins and really because of the appetite for sin that now had developed when they had take, partaken of, uh, of the forbidden fruit. So now they knew sin and they had the carnal nature to deal with and so on. And they could not live in the Garden of Eden. I don't want to be too complex here, but reconciliation had not been made. But you and I can now enter into that place of, of communion with God uh, by the blood of Jesus. And we'll reach that here in a moment. But Adam and Eve, they, they left the garden. And, of course, the first sacrifices began to be offered. The first one that is named is the, the two sacrifices of Cain and Abel. The scripture said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a, a, a sacrifice that was more pleasing to God. By faith, Abel unto God, a, a sacrifice that was acceptable. I'm trying to get the right words. But uh, Cain offered vegetables. He offered the fruit of his own work. But Abel offered a lamb. He offered a, a lamb, and the Bible said God had respect unto his sacrifice. A lot of things we could say there, but we'll move on and just say God had established the, 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 the principle of blood being an atonement or blood rescuing, blood paying our debt. The word atonement means to be made one. The word redeem means to pay a debt. And so both of these words are associated with blood being shed. And so God is angry. God, uh, we, have, we have a record of our lives. Everything that we do, there is a record. Every word that we say, there is a record. And in the Old Testament, God's wrath or God's uh, uh, not being pleased or God's holiness, we could say, would not allow him to have communion with unrighteousness because God's nature is so holy and God's nature is so pure. There had to be a reconciliation. There had to be something to bring man back to God. And so it started in the Old Testament. But remember, God was just using the blood of those Old Testament animals as a temporary way to make men sins or to make peace with men. And so men would offer sacrifice and they would have communion with God. They could, they could walk with God. They could talk with God. But ultimately, the blood of those sacrifices symbolized the blood of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Someone say praise the Lord. So the Bible talks about sacrifices in the Old Testament. We mentioned some of those, but uh, they were sacrificial lambs that were given. Uh, there was the great sacrifice, the Day of Atonement. And I will uh, mention that because how many remembers the story of Israel coming out of Egypt? Many, of course, we all remember that story. I know maybe I'm being too basic here. Uh, but uh, the Bible tells us that the Lord, when he was ready to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, Egypt, that he did it by the power of blood. The scripture says on that last sacrificial, uh, on the day of the, the La Pascua, como decimos en español, uh, the day of the Passover, that they were to take a lamb. All the children of Israel would take a lamb. 
And at night they would roast the lamb. And everyone in the house would eat as much of the lamb as possible. And they would take the blood of the lamb. And they put that blood on the doorposts of their house. And they put it also on the lintel or the wood piece that is above the door. And the Lord said, on this night, I am going to pass over Egypt. And everyone, every firstborn is going to die. But he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Let me jump ahead and say the blood is a protection. And let me say the blood still protects from demon powers. Oh, yes, it does. The blood is a protection from demon powers. There are such as th- there are such things as demons, but there is such a thing as the blood, and the blood is powerful. You don't cross the holy, precious blood of Jesus, the Son of God, God made manifest in the flesh. That's precious blood. That's powerful blood. That's holy blood. That's living blood. The power of the blood. And so... Uh, you know, I've been kind of in this gear so far in this revival, but uh, I feel like the Lord is ministering uh, here, uh, and, and hopefully this is going to help you. I, I believe it will. But anyway, so the death angel passed over, and everyone that was protected by the blood was, uh, was, was, was safe, and then they were, they were delivered out of Egypt by the power of the blood. The rest of Egypt was mourning. The rest of Egypt, they were mourning. They were crying. Estaban llorando. Hallelujah. They were crying. Amen. But, but Israel was delivered on that very night. As soon as they began to hear the sounds of the Egyptians crying, they began to gather up their wealth. They already had their wagons. The Bible said they had to eat the Passover with their shoes on. They had to be all dressed and ready to go. Let me tell you that it was the power of the blood that allowed them to to leave the bondage, the house of bondage. Egypt is a type of the world. They were kept under slavery for, for many, many years. Many of them died under the hand of bondage, but it was the power of the blood that delivered them out of Egypt. Let me tell you that the blood of Jesus has the power to deliver us out of this world. We are under the Bible. Bible said that the God of this world is the devil, but you and I are delivered when the, when, the, when the message of the gospel comes to your life and you are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. The blood is applied to your life and you can leave the bondage of sin. What you could not overcome, you can overcome because the blood of Jesus, it's not from your own power. It's the power that is in the living blood of Jesus. There's power to deliver you from any kind of drug, cocaine, meth, uh, fentanyl, whatever it is. There is power to deliver you from any kind of vice, whatever bad habit that you have going on in your life. There's power. There's power to deliver you from mental anguish. Let me say there's power in the blood. I hope I get to the scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 where it talks about the blood is able to wash your conscience. There's, There's power in the blood to keep that abuse down to keep that abuse to where it doesn't bother you anymore. There's more power in the blood than power talking to a psychologist. And we're not against all of that, but there's more power in the blood than medication to try to calm your nerves. There might be a time for that, but there's more power. The blood of Jesus makes peace. The blood of Jesus heals. The blood of Jesus delivers. 
Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight. The precious blood, the precious blood of Jesus. It's not just any blood, it's precious blood. It's not just any man's blood, it's precious blood. I challenge you to think about the spiritual part of what I'm talking about. I'm not necessarily talking, but I am about the literal uh, blood that spilled from the veins of Christ. But I'm really preaching about the power that was in that blood and the spiritual blood that still flows through the church today. Hallelujah. And so Jesus, when he uh, was on his last uh, night before he was crucified or, or before he was tried, and then the next day, I believe he was crucified. But Jesus having the last supper, what did he say? He took bread and he took up wine. And the Bible said he told his disciples, take and eat, for this is my body, which is, uh, which is broken for you. And take and drink, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. We don't believe that like some churches... Uh, there's the, uh, the biggest church in the world uh, uh, that's based in Italy, let me just put it that way, believes that that, 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 that communion, uh, the bread and the wine uh, or the fruit of the vine, that they become literally the flesh and the literal blood of Jesus. Uh, they call it the doctrine of transubstantiation. We don't believe that. But we believe that there is a spiritual ingesting. When we, the, Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, he said they are spirit and they are life. He also said that I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. But if anyone eat these words, he will live forever. The Bible said that the, the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus said, if you drink my blood, but he didn't mean drinking literal blood, because another place Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I don't want to be too complex here, but when Jesus, when he ate his communion, and, and, we, and we still do that, and when he served communion, uh, there were several things. He was, re, he was establishing uh, the, the memorial, but it's something also that we do continually. Uh, we, we know that. We're not preaching about that today, but the blood of Jesus and the word of God is still being eaten spiritually, ingested, taken in, received by the church. We believe these words of eternal life. These words strengthen in our spirit. These words are words that, that uh, the Bible said never a man spake like this man. These words are the thoughts of God. The Bible said my thoughts are not your thoughts nor my ways your ways. As far as the heaven is above the earth so far are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. When you hear the preaching of the word God's thoughts are revealed to you. You begin to think things you've never thought before and it goes beyond the mind. You believe in the heart and the light of God's love and the light of God's power, the, the, the life begins to have more meaning. You understand why we are here. You understand where we are going. You understand the history and the reason behind the creation. Why? Because you have heard and you have eaten of the word of life. Yeah. Hearing preaching. Hearing preaching. I'm, I'm kind of off on a sidetrack. I'm preaching about the power of the blood. But hearing preaching gives you strength. Your faith is strengthened. In a world that has so many lies, lies, lies. The devil's the father of lies. 
He questions the family. He's questioning the roles of the family. God established the family for, for a purpose. The family is the strongest unit. The family is the, the crib of society's strength. The devil starts out with these, these very subtle uh, lies and, and, uh, and so on. But he's, he's full of lies. And, and uh, he's extremely smart. Uh, uh, but remember, he cannot read your mind. And he's not omnipresent. So get that out of your mind. Say the devil, maybe. The devil is probably over somewhere across the other side of the world. If he's up, uh, who knows where he's at. But he's probably not worried about you necessarily. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I don't mean to, uh, well, dug myself a hole there. But I'm just going to leave that there. Praise God. And he's not omnipotent. He can't read your mind. But when you, when, you, when you hear preaching, when you hear preaching, the Bible said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith begins to arise. The word of God is the seed and the word of God begins to grow when we hear, when we hear. But we're preaching about the blood and so there's the other side of that where Jesus said, this is the New Testament of my blood. The New Testament of my blood. The power of the blood. So we'll leave that right now and we'll talk about the natural blood because there are many, many parallels uh, when we talk about the power of the blood. Some doctors and many people in the medical field actually call the blood another organ of the body. Obviously, the blood is made up of living organisms, and it is made up of several kinds of cells. Uh, uh, let me see here. About 50, over 50% of the blood is blood plasma. It contains uh, substances that uh, feed the body and perform other functions. Blood plasma also contains glucose and other dissolved things and so on. Uh, about 42% of the blood are made of red blood cells, and uh, we can talk about that possibly later. White blood cells, about 1%. Of course, there are platelets and so on, but it is a liquid. It's a living liquid. It's the only thing in your body that is actually circulating. You've got the heart that pumps it, but you've also got two methods of filtration, actually three. You've got your kidneys, you've got your liver, and you have your, your lungs. And so this is the system that brings oxygen. This is a system that takes out uh, things that are unclean, and uh, it, it cleanses the body. This is the system that takes nutrients from your stomach. And I don't want anybody to be bored here. This is not school, but I'm, I'm going to make some analogies here. This is the system that takes all of the nutrients and feeds the rest of your cells. This is the system that actually fights disease. It is highly capable. It can remember diseases for decades. In fact, it's adapted so much that it can actually remember diseases that your forefathers have experienced in many cases. The blood is so powerful that uh, it is actually regenerating itself continually. Over 200 billion red blood cells are created every single day. One drop of blood has 50 or 500 mil, let me see, 5 million uh, red blood cells in, uh, in, uh, in it, just one drop of blood. 2.4 million uh, red blood cells are produced per minute. And so the blood is precious and, and uh, it, it renews itself. And so the blood, uh, it, it does a lot of things. It, it has energy in the body. And uh, the Bible talks about the precious, precious blood of Jesus. Someone say, praise the Lord. 
different types of blood. Some blood is more common than others. Many of us know that that uh, uh, there are uh, there's a kind of RH RH negative or RH, it's one of those that's called the universal blood donor. It's the only kind of blood that can be transferred to people that have this type of blood or that type of blood, and it won't cause clotting. So people with that kind of blood have blood that's it's highly valuable. You can get more money if you're a blood donor if you have that type of universal blood. You step up the value of blood for someone that has acquired immunity. For instance, many years ago, about a decade or more ago, there was a breakout of Ebola in Africa. It was killing just about everyone that came uh, in contact with it or a high percentage of people. They found two people in America that had acquired immunity and they took some of the serum and I'm, I don't know the actual details of it, but they began to make vaccines or treatments through the, uh, the immunity these two people had gained through uh, blood that had overcome this very, very threatening disease. That, that was valuable blood. Perhaps a uh, uh, some of you would remember the story of how that uh, smallpox was defeated. They found that people that had uh, been infected with cowpox would have the ability to overcome and, and, uh, and not, not die from, from smallpox. And so cowpox was something that uh, some people would get on a farm and they found this young girl who had cowpox before when everyone else was getting smallpox and dying or getting very, very sick. She wasn't affected at all. And so they began to study her and they realized that she had something in her blood that was precious and when we talk about the blood of Jesus it's precious blood in many ways uh, and I want to follow the Holy Ghost here a lot of good things that I could share with you but I want to I want to make this a, a spiritual application here today I believe the Holy Ghost wants to make it a spiritual application the blood of Jesus was precious for many many ways I hope to tell you, I hope to, to, to go back and give you the analogies of what the blood does for us. But the blood of Jesus was very precious for many ways. Jesus Christ was not just any man. He was a real man. He's not a figment. Any of you that believe this stuff, that these very, very, uh, uh, I want to say, irresponsible writers and so-called uh, historians would doubt that Jesus Christ lived. Let me tell you something. There were already people making historical references to Jesus Christ less than 30 to 100 years after his death. Tacitus mentioned the man called Christus. Pliny the Younger mentioned this, the, the sect that they followed the man called Jesus. Jesus Christ won his own family. And within just less than 20 years of his own life, there were literally 30 to 40,000 people by 30 years after uh, in Jerusalem that believed in Jesus. 30 years after Christ, there was over 100,000 Christians in the Jerusalem area. How would that have happened if he never lived? Jesus was a real man. But not only was he a real man, he was not like others in that he was born of a virgin. And the scripture said the Holy Ghost came on Mary. The power of the highest overshadowed her and she conceived a son. But he was not just any man. He was he was God and he was man. Fully God. The Bible said, I, he said, a man that hath told you the truth. In the, in the fullness of time, God set forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. And, uh, well, we could get off on that. We won't do that right now. Amen. But uh, there's no pre-existing son of God. The son started at Bethlehem at the birth of Christ. But Jesus Christ was fully man. But because he did not have an earthly father, 
Uh, let me regress and say, uh, well, we won't even talk about could Jesus have died? Uh, I don't think so. His, the, the whole plan was fully uh, preordained and so on. But on the other hand, Jesus was not a robot. He was tempted in all points like as we are. Kind of getting off the flow here, but let's go back and just say Jesus Christ had flesh and blood like you and I have. Jesus Christ, we know these things, right? He hungered and thirsted. Jesus slept. Jesus had to eat food. Jesus was a man. Jesus was tempted. We already say that in all points like as we are yet without sin. And so he experienced life 30 years before he even began preaching. Jesus was in a family. He had a mother and a stepfather. He had brothers and sisters. He worked a job. He was a carpenter. Jesus was not only a historical figure. He was a man with flesh and blood. But inside of Jesus Christ, there was sinless blood. Jesus was conscious of his destiny from a very young age. At 12 years old, he went into the temple and he confounded the Jews with this understanding of the word. And yet for 18 years, he kept his mission. He kept his purpose. Uh, I don't know, secret or, or whatever. But everyone knew that Jesus was different. Jesus never sinned. He never sinned. Adam and Eve could have done the same thing. Adam and Eve were born without sin, but they gave in to temptation. They did not have the same, you could call it an advantage, in that they did not, they weren't inhabited directly by the Spirit of God, but they were tempted. They were the only ones, the Bible says it very specifically in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There was a first Adam and there was a second Adam. The first Adam was earthly. The second Adam is the Lord from heaven. The Bible contrasts the two Adams as the two heads of the human race. And just like the first Adam sinned, and oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Just like the first Adam sinned, and the Bible said, wherefore, as by one man sinned entered into, into the world, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Some people say, it's not fair. How could I inherit Adam's sin? Why are we condemned? Well, we're not condemned necessarily by the inherited fallen nature. We are condemned by our own sins. But there are the same axiom, the same principle, the same law that the devil used against humanity now becomes used by Jesus Christ, by God himself. When God says, okay, so sin came upon the human race because of the fall of the first perfect man. And now we're going to have a second man. And he's going to come and he's going to be humble from the day he's born even though he's born the king of kings and the lord of lords the bible said who shall believe our report who hath uh, unto whom uh, is the arm of the lord revealed uh, and i don't feel like quoting the whole thing i quote the whole thing but the bible said uh, that he was despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our face from him here he is he's the undercover savior he's the undercover redeemer jesus christ is the lamb of god he's bearing something that all humanity needs. He's bearing eternal life. Jesus said, no man can take my life from me. He stood before Pilate who had hundreds if not thousands of soldiers at his disposal. And Pilate said, don't you know that I can take that your life is in my hands? Jesus said, your life is not in my, my life is not in your hands. He said, my life is in the hands of him that sent me. And, but he said in another place no, earlier, that he said, no man can take my life from me. He said, I lay it down of myself. 
He could have lived forever. He could have kept living. He didn't have to give his life. And when he came to the place of the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, he gave up something that all human beings, he he fought his greatest battle when he fought the human will, when he fought that desire, that innate human desire, not only to survive, but also his holiness didn't want to taste death. But anyway, let's go back. Jesus Christ was a, he was a fully man, but he was fully God. Not not only was he a man, but he was a special man. He was born. What does the scripture say? It says, unto us a son is given. Unto us a son is born. Unto us a son is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. This is Isaiah 9, 6. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. And I think I'm skipping some things there. But so many scriptures talked about the king that would be born. The king that would come and restore the nation to Israel. How that he would rule the nations and break. And he would stop all wars. This is Jesus Christ. This is who he was. He is the coming king. He's going to come back again. And he's going to destroy the Antichrist and all the nations that rise up against the children of Israel and the children of God. Whoever's there, Jesus Christ is going to rule the world. Jesus Christ is going to have a kingdom, an earthly kingdom for a thousand years. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he will be Lord forever and ever and ever. That's who he was. And so the blood of Jesus was royal blood. Look, I'm preaching the Bible. Uh, if, you don't like, uh, if you don't like the Bible, well, I don't know what to tell you. If you're saying, well, Brother Wilson, you're just trying. No, I'm just preaching the Bible. And your faith is based on the Bible. You're not saved just because you go to church. And you're not saved just because you say you're a Pentecostal. You've got to have faith. And there's nothing more important than the blood of Jesus Christ. So you need to hear this. I'm going to serve it whether you like it or not. Praise God. Because you need this. Amen. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you. Just saying, you know. But anyway. Uh, the, the blood of Jesus. And so the blood of Jesus was royal blood. It's blood that could live forever. And when Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, he made it path Gethsemane. When he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And blood began to be shed there. He made it past going through the humiliation of being in front of Pilate and the Roman soldiers, and they whipped him on both sides. Some try to minimize that now, but the Bible said by his stripes we are healed, letting us know he had stripes on his back. He took a normal whipping, and some men died from that. It opened up the flesh. He was bleeding. He was bleeding probably on his neck, on his back, on his arms, on his legs, on both sides. The blood flowed, and they put a crown of thorn, which they did not take off. According to what we understand, the blood flowed upon his ears and his eyes and his hands and his feet. And then he was nailed to a cross. Very little, if any, clothing. The Bible said he despised the shame. But the Bible said who's seen, uh, the, the Bible talks about uh, that he saw the glory he, he, he saw. Let me, let, me, let me turn there. The book of Hebrews chapter number 12. It's not coming to me real clear, but uh, well, we're right here. So it says in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12. Uh, it said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And notice what it says. For, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. That's Jesus. 
But the blood of Jesus began to flow. And what happened when, Je- when the blood of Jesus began to flow? What happened when he was crucified? How many remembers? He spent six hours on the cross. And the Bible says that the, that, that the sun stopped shining. And there was great earthquake. The earth, the creation itself, did not want to receive the blood. But right there, next to where the temple was, or outside of the temple, the blood was going down into the earth. The perfect atonement. The perfect price. Extra righteousness. The blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The Bible said when the first human blood was, was shed, the Lord came to Cain and said, he said, what have you done? And Cain began to make excuses. But the Lord said, the blood of thy brother... The life of the flesh is in the blood. I'm not making something weird out of this. But the blood of Abel was speaking something. It was speaking condemnation. It was speaking guilt. It was pointing the finger. A life was shed. An innocent life was shed. Abel was innocent. Cain killed an innocent man. And the life that is in a human being, in his blood, was poured out. And God still hates that. God hates bloodshed. God hates war. And war is not God's fault. Let me just give you a little bit of apologetics 101 AAA. Suffering is not God's fault. You want to make your own decisions? You want to live your own life? There's results. And here we go, folks. You make a decision that's bad, bad is going to come your way. You want to take you, you, you want to make your decisions? Well, you can shoot your own self. You decide to sin, you decide to have pride, there's gonna be suffering. And when men are involved and there's great pride and there's great power and nations, uh, they ought to be able to work it out. This war that's going on in, in Ukraine, you hate to even waste the time. It shouldn't be happening. There's no reason but pride and vanity. And also there's a spiritual plan that's going on. There's a spiritual struggle, but that's not God's fault. You say, well, God knew. We can get deeper into this, and God's still righteous. Let me tell you, I don't care how much you argue against God. God is still righteous. And I'm not talking to any one person here today. I'm telling you, God is righteous in all his ways. Well, God foreknew. God foreknew that there would be men and, and that they, many of them would go to hell. Oh, but he foreknew there would be a church. And he did not predestinate ni una persona. He did not predestinate one single person. The Bible says that even Judas fell from his place by transgression. He wasn't destined to be lost. He made his own decision. God already had him a place. He already had an office. He already had a destiny. He already had un propósito. And you know what? He sinned. And you know what? God is righteous. But the blood of slain man, the blood speaks. Someone, there's got to be justice. And there will be justice. There will be justice. Let me say the, the, the greatest justice that ever happened, you could call it injustice or justice, is when Jesus died on the cross. But another aspect of justice will be the judgment of all the nations. And every single human being is going to be lined up in front of God at the great white throne. It equals, this is all, all this is reality, folks. This makes everything equal. You don't just go out and act crazy and just do anything you want to do. And that's the only life God has given you. That's life. That's your precious life. It's like being born and there's this huge buffet. All kinds of pleasures and all kinds of beautiful things, good things and bad. And little Pinocchio, what's it called, the little guy? No, we just use that. The little guy, he's on, on his shoulder. That's your conscience. What's his name? 
It's, it, you know, it's, no, 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 I'm talking about the little, is there something that's always telling them what to do? Anyway, you know, it's a fable, but your conscience is telling you, don't do this. And uh, yes, we have a conscience. And anyway, let's not even go on that. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but Jesus Christ, he, he settled that score. So let's, let's move on here. But the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks justification. Just like in heaven, there's a judge and there is a, there's a prosecutor. Uh, Satan is the prosecutor of men. He says they've done this and they've done that. But all we have to do is look to the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus is the payment for every wrong of every single person that has ever lived. And all they have to do is say, I ask that the blood of Jesus would speak on my behalf. The blood of Jesus, because Jesus Christ is the second Adam, because Jesus Christ is the son of God, because Jesus Christ is the head of the human race. Jesus has this ability. It's given to him to declare any man righteous because he paid the price for all humanity. The one who the Bible said he was in the world and the world was made by him. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And he can forgive because the price is paid, and so the blood speaks. When the devil tries to condemn you, there's power in the blood. It speaks. The blood speaks justification. I don't know how all this works, but when people come and they have evil spirits, and we've encountered these in the States, and the States are kind of undercover. In Mexico and many third world nations, they're just in your face, demon powers. And, and because of the darkness and the paganism that's in many of those countries, you fight devils. I mean, it's like 24-7. Uh, I'm just telling you the truth. But we've got power in the blood of Jesus, and we pray over these folks. And some of them, they're, 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 you know, they're moving, and you can see satanic power on them. And that's entering more into the United States. You play with magic. You know, one of the worst things ever happened to this country is when Harry Potter and all that became mainstream and witchcraft and monsters became acceptable, feeding that to little kids. That's opening the door to demon powers. But what does the Bible say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible said Jesus, that, that, that the devil is a god of this world and he is operating in the children of disobedience. You can be seated. But the blood of Jesus has power to back off those evil spirits, those evil spirits. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord together today. I'm going to try to draw to a close here in a little bit. Hallelujah, the power of the blood of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. The power in the blood of Jesus. And we pray for folks that have devils. And we pray for folks that are afflicted. We say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood protects there's no protection like the blood of Jesus. For a nuclear weapon, they have various, various things they say can protect us from the blast. And uh, I believe like six feet of concrete or one foot of steel if you're under it. Or maybe just a little layer of gold. That's why the, that's why the astronauts have a little layer of gold on their, on their helmets and their, in their suits. And it has a little layer of gold because gold is so dense it stops. It's a protection. 
And in the book of, and in the Bible, the, the tabernacle had several coverings, and they all represent one of uh, various things. The two of them had measurements, and, and it was all, ty- uh, it had typology, but there was one covering the Bible said was lambskins dyed, ramskins dyed red. And the Bible doesn't give it. There, there was no limit. There was no dimensional, you know, description. And so we are protected. We are covered by the blood. Again, we're back to that same thing. We're covered by the blood. Hallelujah. When we're washed, when we're baptized in Jesus' name, when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the blood is applied to our hearts. The very life and death of Jesus Christ, all of the work of Calvary, begins to be applied to our hearts. The life that was in Jesus Christ, union of God and man, amen, that begins to flow through us. The blood is applied as it flows through our hearts in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Saturates the heart. Hallelujah. Some of these things came to me, and I know probably other people know them already, but you are, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost... You are, you are covered. The Bible said Moses, he took the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb on the day of atonement, and he sprinkled, he sprinkled the people. He sprinkled all the vessels of the, of the tabernacle. And he said, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined to you. Everyone's figurative was, was sprinkled by the blood. Oh, we could talk about this. And the blood of Jesus, that, that blood that is precious, that blood that lives forever, that blood that heals, that precious holy blood, that royal blood, when it touches us, when it's applied to us, life, life, forgiveness, washing, hallelujah. I want to invite our musicians to come. I just feel like I need to close here in a few moments. And uh, I have a goal that uh, some of you would understand, again, the need for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's part of this. It's not the whole concept of the blood but the blood breathes, and so the blood is able to carry the, the moving of the spirit. We won't talk about that. The blood heals, and, and uh, yes, let me just say, when you, when you pray through and the spirit of God is moving through you, you're in the presence of Jesus, that the spirit of God begins to move through you. And he that was on the cross, he that rose from the dead, begins to work in your heart. There is a healing work through the power of the blood. We anoint with, with the oil, represents the blood, but there's also a healing power that works when you're renewed in the Holy Ghost. I was looking at the book of Titus chapter. I, I know I've got a lot of things that I could say. I'm just going to pass over a bunch of them. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Regeneration regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, the washing of regeneration. The Bible has a list of terrible sins in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Extortioners and thieves and effeminate and and drunkards and such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus said, if any man eat of this bread and drink of this blood, then I will, then I will, I will come in and I will make my abode with them. And uh, now I don't want to make this a doctrine, but there is. I, I, the more I study, I, I, I lean on this, that, that the blood is applied. Somehow there's, there's an application of the blood in the Holy Ghost. I know we've always accepted that because people, they want to say, I don't want to bore you here. People, that's what they want to say. When is the blood applied? At 
repentance at baptism, at the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Well, I, I believe absolutely in all three places. But there is a place where the blood, Jesus, when he talked about ingesting the blood, uh, when he talked about drinking the blood, I believe there is, there's more than just a parallel. There's more than just an analogy. But the blood of Jesus is applied to us in some way. There's, there's a powerful application of the blood when we let the Holy Ghost move through us. The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's all stand together tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Many scriptures we could talk about tonight regarding the blood. I've got many of them right before me here tonight. The blood. The Bible talks about the book of Hebrews chapter number 10. It says... It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, we have access to the throne of God by the precious blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, the veil was rent from top to bottom, a miraculous work. The blood, the Bible said, was presented by Jesus Christ himself when he went into heaven. Read the book of Hebrews chapter 10. It's what it says. He went actually to heaven, presented his own blood, making reconciliation for all human beings. The power of the blood of Jesus. So there is a thing called the blood. And the blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood. The very life of Jesus Christ was shed for you. Your eternal life is because you have inherited the life of Jesus Christ. Your healing is because you've inherited the, 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 the sinlessness and the power, the beautiful uh, health of the body of Jesus Christ. By his stripes, we are healed. All of the, the protection that you and I have is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And what we are focusing in, in closing tonight is that some of that comes to us when we are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Getting into the Spirit, speaking in tongues. The Spirit of God flows. The Spirit of Jesus Christ flows through our heart. Maybe you can explain to me what Jesus meant when he said, when, when he talked about drinking of, uh, of my blood, when he talked about being uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. Those that don't have, those that aren't filled with the Holy Ghost, you might be suffering things in your life. You might be suffering condemnation. You might be suffering some things that you don't need to suffer because the power of the blood is not operating in your life like God would like it to work in your life. Getting in the spirit and speaking in tongues, it is a spiritual thing. But it's not beyond us. We were born of the Spirit. We're not a church that, that doesn't need the moving of the Spirit. We're not a church that can exist without the real power and presence of God. It's not too much to expect the people of God to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Galatians chapter 3 said, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? The power of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you come into the presence of God, that's what you're doing when you're being renewed in the Holy Ghost. You're coming into the presence of Jesus Christ. And his blood, one of the works of the Spirit, is that the blood is applied to your heart. And the blood can heal your spirit. And the blood can wash away. In fact, we, we said we we're going to read this scripture, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter number 9. And it said, uh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, 
Purge your hearts, the blood of Christ. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The blood erases condemnation. And the blood really should erase. Now, not completely. You can recall things if you focus on them. But the blood should put a big barrier between you and the abuse and the problems and the terrible things that you've seen and experienced. That's what the Bible says. Listen, folks, we have, we have people that are preaching the gospel that were involved in lesbianism and homosexuality. We have people that are preaching the gospel that have been drug addicts, murderers. We have people from all kinds of lives. God has healed their hearts. And one of the, great, the greatest things that has healed their hearts is the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. It washes away their sins. The Bible said unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The book of Revelation chapter number 7 said these are those that have made themselves white and have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus can wash away all of that condemnation. The blood of Jesus can give you healing in your spirit and in your mind. The blood of Jesus can take away a lot of those fears. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Healing power. Just one drop of blood. I know I'm taking a little bit. You've been on your feet for about five minutes. Let's see here. But I'm going to close. There's some songs that I think relate very well. Maybe a little more than that, but not much. It said, just one drop of blood from the spotless lamb. One drop of blood from the great I am. Sins of old and those to come washed by Calvary's crucified son. It didn't take a river, a stream, or flood. Just one drop of blood. The average male has 35 trillion red blood cells. It doesn't take much of the blood of Jesus to wash away, to redeem, to pay, to call you his own. He's bought you. You belong to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. You belong to Jesus Christ. His spirit is inside of you. and His spirit can minister. His spirit can heal. He will claim you on the day of death. You belong to him. And nobody can take him you away from the Lord. He has washed away your sins. He said, I'm not going to even remember them. And so tonight, there's a couple aspects on this. If you don't have the Holy Ghost... Because of the things that I've preached about and other items in the Bible, themes in the Bible, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, except a man be born again of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But tonight, there are folks that need the Holy Ghost, that need healing in their lives. Folks that are bothered by oppression. Maybe there's folks here that you're, you're, you're not full of the Holy Ghost and so much of the victory and the healing in your life can come by letting the Holy Ghost flow through you. Letting the Spirit of God saturate your mind and your heart. Hallelujah. And others who just, uh, we need to put more faith in the blood. I want to invite you to come before we leave this place. I know we're going to do some other things tonight. But we've preached about a great Bible subject, the power of the blood. What aspect of the blood do you need tonight? Or are there several things that you want to say, Lord, wash me in the blood. Strengthen me in the blood. Lord, take away my condemnation in the blood. Let me realize how much you love me because of the blood. God, let me see your power. Let me understand that I'm protected from demon powers by the blood. Lord Jesus, help me to know I'm a part of the, the very royal family of Jesus Christ. Because I'm bought by him, I'm a co-heir.
Hallelujah. I'm a child of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood speaks for you. The blood says he is righteous. The blood says she is righteous. The blood says they are not going to hell. The blood says these are mine. They're destined for heaven. The blood says you belong to Jesus. The blood doesn't condemn. The blood justifies you. Oh, the blood of Jesus is real. It's powerful. The blood of Jesus is real. It's powerful. It exists. Every devil knows. Every angel knows the blood exists. Apply the blood to your heart. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, let's love the Lord together tonight. Hallelujah. Look around you. There's people that need the Holy Ghost. Come on, help them pray right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, God. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, right now, God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, help your friend pray. God, forgive me of all my sins. God, I'm sorry for my sins. Come on, pour your heart out right now. Oh, I need you, Jesus. Oh, yes, God. Come on, let's pray right now. Come on, church. This is the power of God. Hallelujah. The preacher of the cross is to them to perish foolishness. Oh, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. Oh, come on, it's our power. The blood is our power. The Holy Ghost is our power. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, God. It's by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, God. Come on, there's delivery power in the blood. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice up right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, God. It's power. 